Hey, this is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of uh, Life Change Church. I want to thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I'd like to ask that uh, you would listen to Revelation chapter 1, which reminds us that there's a wonderful blessing that comes to those who read and study the Word of God and take it into your heart. So just as you listen to these podcasts, uh, just try to open your heart and receive the Word of the Lord. We believe it'll change and transform your life. Again, thanks so much for uh, checking these out. I pray you'll be greatly blessed by them. Thank you. God bless. Amen. Praise the Lord. I always want to open up and receive the blessing of the Lord. Because I don't want to go a moment or a day uh, without it. Do you? No. No, absolutely not. So thankful for uh, His uh, blessing. We are um, in a series on the times We've been talking about the times that we are in and what we have come from and what is coming in the future. Um, So we are all the way to Revelation 21, to the last two chapters of the book of Revelation, last two chapters, the book of the Bible. Uh, These are very important uh, passages uh, of Scripture. Uh, revealing to us uh, what is to come. So as we pull back into this uh, this morning, uh, let me remind you again of two uh, very important revelations uh, that we need, that everyone uh, needs, uh, that we see in Scripture and that we very clearly see in the book of Revelation and, and, and it really ramps up uh, in chapters 19, 20, 21, 22. Uh, so let me encourage you again. Now I know we're all busy. Let me encourage you again to spend some time in those last four chapters. To spend enough time to where you can think your way through chapters 19, 20, 21, and 22. Now, I can't personally quote them word for word. But if we were to sit down and have a conversation, I could move you through what happens in 19, what happens in 20, what happens in 21, what happens in 22. I think that's very important because we powerfully see two very important revelations that each and every one of us need. Let me tell them to you again this morning. First one is this. You can write these down, meditate on them, uh, think about them. These are incredibly important. First one is this. It is the revelation of the glorious inheritance of the saints. We see in the book of Revelation the wonderful, mind-blowing, glorious inheritance that is the saints. It is beyond uh, description. It is beyond worth. It is beyond compare. It is worth us laying down everything, giving up everything, going through anything, facing whatever we may face in order to inherit uh, the inheritance, the glorious inheritance of the saints. We need a revelation of it because if we see it, the things of this world so pale in comparison to what awaits the saints. We will not spend our lives laying up treasure on earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. When we get a revelation of our inheritance, we will spend our lives laying up treasure in heaven that's not going to perish. That's going to be e. Eternal. We need this revelation. Paul had a glimpse of this. He had a revelation of it. This is why Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 4, you need to memorize 2 Corinthians 4. Right? Probably not just think your way through it, but you need to memorize it. But you can start by thinking your way through it. You need to memorize 2 Corinthians 4. This is why he could say, he said, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. He says, we got all this going on around us, but it is not taking us out. And then in verse 16, he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we are are being renewed day by 
day. We therefore recognize that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. He called our troubles light and momentary, spoke of his own. And if you look at his troubles, you might not say they were light and momentary. He went through a lot. He says, I consider that my light and momentary troubles are achieving for me an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He said, everything I'm going through is worth it for the glorious inheritance that awaits me, for the glorious inheritance of the saints. Whatever I have to lay down, whatever I have to give up. This is why he said in Philippians 3, he said, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. Everything is, is, is nothing in comparison to Jesus and the inheritance that we have in him. I want you to see it, the glorious inheritance of the saints. And then we also see a second important revelation that we don't want to look at as much, but it is there. It is the terrifying judgment of the wicked. So, so horrible, so terrifying that, that we would, again, would, would, it would be worth us doing whatever we have to do in order to be saved from the terrifying judgment of the wicked. Now, let me say it just a little bit of a different way so that I, because I really want to bring, I want, I want to bring Jesus into this revelation as well because Jesus is the key, right? He is our hope of being saved from the terrifying judgment. He is our hope of entering into our glorious inheritance. So let me say it like this. This helps a lot of people out in their, in their uh, theology and in their doctrinal uh, questions. Uh, let me say it like this. The glorious inheritance of those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We need a revelation of that. The glorious inheritance of those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. They are the saints, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And the, the terrifying judgment of those whose names are not. The glorious inheritance of those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life and the terrifying judgment of those whose names are not. I think that's important because it brings the only holy, worthy Lamb of God into the picture. And He is our hope, our Lord, our salvation. And it is only through Jesus that we can escape judgment and only through Jesus that we enter into our glorious inheritance. When we start to understand that, like Ephesians 2, right, makes sense that, that, that it is by grace that we are saved, and this not of works. It is the gift of God so that no one can boast. It's not anything that we're going to do to get our name written in the Lamb's book of life. It's everything the Lamb has already done. It's God's grace that we are saved, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Remember these two uh, revelations. We, each and every one of us, need them. I think it really powerfully helps keep us on track. I know it helps me. It helps me want to live for Jesus knowing the glorious inheritance that is the saints. And it really helps me want to live for Jesus knowing the terrifying judgment that comes to those who don't. I know we don't want to you know, talk about the fear of the Lord anymore, but it's all through the scriptures, right? And God is a just judge and he will judge those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. We ought to have a little bit of the fear of the Lord. It brings knowledge and understanding of the Holy One. I fear him enough to know that if I don't live for Jesus, he's going to bring judgment. And I don't want it. I want the glorious inheritance of the saints. So as we enter into Revelation chapter 21, man, we, we see both of these. But, but more than anything, we see the, the inheritance that is so glorious and wonderful of those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let me take a coffee break. Ah, praise the Lord. I wonder what, like, Henry, I wonder what, like, new Jerusalem, new heavens, new earth, eternal coffee is going to be like. I mean, that's got to be some good stuff, right? Praise Jesus. Chapter 21, Revelation chapter 21, uh, verse, verse 1. 
I'm going to read from my Bible. Scott's going to throw up here on the, on the screens. A little bit, little bit different um, every now and then because I've, I've got an older uh, translation of the NIV. And this is, this is John. Again, uh, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for uh, her husband. Now, it's probably a good, good place to start, I mean to stop. I know we didn't get uh, very far into this uh, because there's, there's a lot of disagreement about some things already here uh, in, these, uh, in, in these scriptures. Uh, and, and let me just say, there's, there's a lot of disagreement about a lot of this stuff in Revelation. And you may disagree with me on some of the things you know, that I have taught. But, but you know, hopefully there's not anything that we disagree on that is a, a dividing doctrine. Hopefully we believe the things that need to be believed in order for us to have a uniting doctrine. But, but here we see John sees a new heavens and a new earth for the first have passed away. So, so many believe here that, again this is, this is coming in the future, so, so many believe here that, that the, the, this heavens and this earth will be completely destroyed and God will recreate anew. And then there's another belief that, that this heavens and this earth will just be reborn, will just be renewed, that it won't be completely destroyed, but it'll just be remade from the existing heavens and the existing earth. Now, I think this is kind of important here, uh, because it helps us to uh, uh, to uh, uh, to understand uh, some uh, other things. I I think that uh, that uh, you know from Scripture uh, to me I would. I would say that this earth and, and the heavens are not going to be completely uh, destroyed, like completely gone and, and recreated, uh, but that they will be made uh, new, like, like, is what, uh, like, is, like is what is referred to uh, when it comes to us uh, in John uh, chapter 3, where Jesus talks about being born again, uh, right? That, that this will be born again. Now, we learn from 2 Peter uh, 3, uh, that, uh, that like was in the days of Noah, so will be again, but uh, that the Lord's not going to do it with a flood, that it's going to be fire uh, that comes, uh, and, uh, and that the earth is going to be uh, reborn or, or through uh, fire. Uh, so, so maybe a, a, a way of, uh, of seeing how this, could, how this could take place and how this happens would be if you backed up into Revelation uh, chapter 20 uh, where, we, where, we have, uh, the, uh, where we have the thousand year reign of Christ. So just, just let me lay out the events for you again. Uh, right now we are in the day of salvation, a wonderful, glorious day where everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are in the time that Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest, that everyone who can, who will, can come to Jesus. Coming in the future, and we don't know when, but it could be any time, is the rapture of the church where Jesus comes and he raptures, snatches up uh, his church uh, before the final 70th 7th that we read about in Daniel 9, the tribulation uh, period in Daniel 9. That sets the stage for the seven-year tribulation period. At the end of that final seven uh, years, uh, there is a, a battle, the battle of Armageddon, between the armies of heaven and the armies of the earth. I want to be on the side of the armies of heaven. They battle together, and the armies of heaven, led by the mighty warrior, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, defeat the armies led by the Antichrist, the beast in this battle, it defeat him easily, and Jesus sets up a thousand year reign on earth where he rules and reigns, and we, the church, rule and reign with him. 
the devil, the dragon, is bound for that period of time. Then he is, at the end of the thousand years, released for a short period of time where he can go and deceive the nations. And somehow he is able to uh, deceive and, and raise an army that is as numerous as the sand on the seashore. This is Revelations uh, 7, Revelation 7 uh, through 10, if you, if you want to uh, look this up. And deceive uh, this, 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 this uh, and, and build an army that is as numerous as the sand on the seashore and bring that army ag- across uh, the breadth of the earth to where they surround the camp. It's called the camp of God's people, you know, the city he loves. So the, so the dragon uh, it raises this huge army, comes and surrounds the camp of God's people uh, in the city that he loves. So Jerusalem and and, and, and set, set up and get ready uh, for battle. But there's not a battle that takes place. At this time, uh, the Lord just sends fire down from heaven and devours the armies of the earth. So, so you can see how this could be the time where fire uh, comes down uh, from heaven and, and totally uh, consumes the, the surface of the earth and, and the heavens. And there is then able to be created a new heavens and a new earth earth from the remnants of this earth that remain after that fire. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly the way it's going to happen, but you could see how it could take place like that. Now, you may be thinking, well, if that happens, then, then how in the world would that take place? And, and the people who are in the camp of the Lord, the city that he loves, how would they survive? But if you remember in Daniel chapter 3, that it's really no thing for God to keep his people through an incredible fire. You remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where they are thrown into a fiery furnace and the fire is so hot that the men who threw them in there were killed by the fire. But when Nebuchadnezzar, the king who threw them in there, looked, he could see not three men walking around but four men walking around because Jesus was in there with them. And when he called them out, I love that story, when he called them out, the only thing burned were the binds that were tying up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was the only thing that had been burned off of them even though this fire was so incredibly hot that the men throwing them in there were killed and scripture even says this look it up and read it Daniel chapter 3 I love it so much that they didn't even have the smell of smoke on their garments so God could send down fire and totally consume the earth and keep his people in it so they don't even smell like they've been in any fire at all and this would make sense and would explain why, uh, why chapter 21, verse 1, says that there is no longer any sea, right? Because fire coming down from heaven, uh, consuming the earth, would, would totally burn up and, and lick up all of the water of uh, the earth so that there is no longer any sea. Again, we, we know that this could take place uh, from uh, you know, 2 Kings 18, or 1 Kings 18, uh, where Elijah has the conflict uh, on Mount Carmel, and he builds an altar, and God sends down fire from heaven. Remember, he dug a trench around the altar and then poured water over it so that water filled the trench, and this fire from heaven burned up the sacrifice, burned up the wood, burned up the stone, burned up the ground, and licked up every drop of water that was in uh, that uh, trench so that it was all consumed, all gone, so that, there, so that there is nothing there left and not even any sea left, so that everything could be renewed and everything could be reborn. Now, before you despair, right, because this kind of weighed on me a little bit too, because I love the sea. You know, don't you? I mean, we all love to go to the ocean, right, especially around here. We love to run to the beach. We love to sit there and look. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's refreshing. It's renewing, right? Another thing that kind of, that kind of almost made me a little bit discouraged as I read through the book of Revelation is it looks like there's earthquake that takes place that, that, that removes all the mountains. The mountains are, are leveled and gone. I love the mountains too. I love to go to the mountains. I love to go to the sea, but don't, don't worry. It's going to be all right. Okay, because God is really, really, really good at creating stuff that blows our minds, and this whole thing is going to be new. This whole thing's going to be created new. So, before you worry about a sea, let me remind you in chapter 22 that there is a river that flows through the city of God, 
And when it comes out of that city, who knows where it goes? But it is going to cover around the earth and there's going to be water from the river that comes from the new Jerusalem. Don't worry about it. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be mind-blowing. You want to be there. He says, I saw the, in, in, in verse 2, I saw the holy city of New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne uh, saying, now, I love this, the dwelling of God is with mankind and he will live with them and they will be his people and he himself will be with them and be their God. The time of separation is as at an end, God's, God's creating a new earth and he's coming down to be with us. Isn't that what it says? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I may underthink things, but I think sometimes people overthink them too. He's coming down to this new earth that has been remade and reborn and he's going to be with us. We're going to be his people. He's going to be his God. Verse four, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. It has taken some work. It has taken some time. God in his justice knew everything that needed to take place in order for everything to be justly fulfilled for the old order to pass away and the new things to come. But here we see the old order passing away and the new coming. And it's good, right? Because, because it means there's no more, no, more, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The old order of things is gone. It's over. It has passed away away. We're still uh, seeing it. Uh, We're still experiencing it. But part of our glorious inheritance is that we get to see it end, come to its its demise, and we get to see the new uh, begin. Verse 5, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Not that God has to say that, but when God says, hey, what I'm saying is trustworthy and true, it just kind of reinforces what we already know, that what God says is trustworthy and true. You don't have to doubt it. Verse 6, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. This is very important. I mean, everything God says is, but this is so very important that he reminds us that he is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, and that this is finished. This is done. Let me read to you, let me read to you Isaiah 46, 10. Isaiah 46, 10 uh, reminds us of these of this same, this same thing, uh, that, that God's the beginning, that he is uh, the end. He says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. See, this is God's ability to do this, right? This is why we know with confidence that these things are going to come, because God is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. He knows the end from the beginning, and what does he do? He makes it known. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. Hadn't come yet, but what is still to come. And he says this, and I say, my purpose will stand. I will do all that I please. This is so important right here that we remember that what God has said, he will accomplish, that his purpose will stand, that these things that he has made known are going to come up to pass, that there is nothing that the enemy or anyone can do to change what God has purposed, it will stand. This is very important because the deception of the times that we are in is revealed in 2 Peter 3 where the people say, hey, you guys, you church people, you've been saying for a long time that Jesus is coming. Where is it? Where is this coming? When is he going to do it? We don't see it. We don't even believe it's going to happen anymore. We look back and everything goes on as it has. Right now, everything's going on as it always has. And in the future, we believe everything's going to go on as it always has. You're talking about his coming. We don't think it's ever going to happen. Yes, it is. 
Yes, it is. He says, my purpose will stand. He says, look, I'm trustworthy and true. We know, Isaiah 55, that what he has said, the word that goes out from his mouth doesn't return to him void. It accomplishes what he said it will accomplish. God is going to do it. Verse 11. From the east I summon a bird of prey. From a far off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. See, as God speaks here in Revelation and reminds us that he's the Alpha and the Omega, at the same time, he is reminding us that what he has said, he will do. What he has spoken will come about. Jesus is coming I don't care what the deception of the time says. He is coming. And it's going to be good. And it's going to be glorious for all those whose names have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And good news. We live in the time where you can get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you desire, come to Jesus. Everyone who calls. Everyone. Romans 10. Everyone who comes and calls will be saved. Back to Revelation 21, verse 6. He says, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And then he reminds us of his free, beautiful gift. He said to him who is thirsty, I will give drink without cost. To those who are thirsty, he's going to give water. He's going to give drink at no cost from the spring of the water of life. Verse 7, to those who overcome, they will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. I've been talking to you about our inheritance, the inheritance of the saints. And, and here the Lord says, to all who overcome, they're going to inherit all this. They're going to inherit everything that you're seeing, this, this beautiful new city, this eternal life, this place where I'm God and they're my people and we dwell together and there's no longer any sorrow or pain. They're going to inherit all of this. And he reminds us that it is a free gift that you can freely come, anyone and everyone, and freely drink from the waters of life. Again, this is prophesied. In Isaiah 55, 1, it's important for us to look at it again. Right? Because Isaiah did this years before, before John ever did. Isaiah 55, uh, verse 1 uh, says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And, and, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. The free waters of life from Jesus, right? It's John chapter 4 where Jesus speaks to the woman at the well and he says, if you ask me, I could give you water that if you drink, you will never thirst again. Here we have Isaiah telling us, come, 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 come. You can come and drink of the free waters of life and all who come and drink will never thirst Again, and remember, they are free. You say, I haven't earned it. You don't have to. It's free. You say, I can't buy it. You're right, you can't. It's free. Jesus has already done everything. He has paid every price so each and every one of us can come and drink of these waters. All we need do is come. It says in verse 7, He who overcomes will inherit all this. Back in Revelation 21. And I will be their God and they will be my children. Verse 7, we see here just another glimpse at the, the terrible, terrifying judgment. This isn't popular in our culture, but, uh, but, but it is in the Word of God. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Remember we learned about that in chapters 19 and 20. This is the second death. All those who refuse to come 
and, and live a life of, uh, of sin and immorality, uh, this is their judgment, the judgment of those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Then uh, verse, verse 9 Hang on here with me. We, we start to see uh, our beautiful uh, inheritance. One of the seven angels uh, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So here we have the Lamb uh, mentioned, the Lamb of God. We know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 10, He carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Did you catch that in there? In that, just like a cool uh, little uh, thing in there that I missed before I was talking to Scott this morning about things that I missed in Scripture. I've not, I never picked up on that uh, before, but, but here it says uh, that, uh, and I'll point it out to you, that he carried me away into a, in the Spirit to a mountain great and high. Remember I said I was worried about there not being any mountains? Well, here it is. There is a mountain. There is a mountain great and high. So there, there's going to be water and, and, and if there's mountains, there's valleys, there's going to be lakes and, and rivers that come from the river of life that flow all over this new, this new earth, and there are going to be mountains. God is going to create these mountains as well, and, and there's going to be some that are great and, and high and awesome. It's going to be a beautiful uh, new uh, earth that is, that is ours to live on. I don't know, that excited me. I can see nobody else is excited about it, but I was excited about it because remember I thought earlier, I'm like, all oh, the mountains are gone. What is it, just going to be a flat? It's going to, oh, come on, God, can we, it's not. There's a mountain, at least one anyway. I'm going to camp out by it. You ever just see one? There's got to be more. Remember, 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 remember the power of our God, the goodness of our God, the creativeness of our God. If this creation in its broken, sinful, broken state blows our mind, how will this new creation blow our minds? It's going to be a mountain. It's going to be great and high. Here comes the city uh, down out of Jerusalem. It's shone with the glory of God, verse 11, and its brilliance was like a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall and 12 gates with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. It's got 12 gates. On their gates are, are the 12 uh, tribes of Israel written there. It's very you know, significant, important. Verse 13, there were three, great, three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And so we see here not only the 12 tribes, but we see the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And we see that the, the, the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility has been broken down by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and that, and that we, the church, have come together as heirs according to the promise with, with Abraham's descendants and we are all Abraham's children. It's, it's almost like Ephesians chapter 2 and 3 are true because they are and then the then uh, then the the description of the city uh, continues and he sees that it's and he sees that it's you know 12 he, he there's a measuring rod and and this thing is 12,000 uh, stadia wide and, and long and high and and deep and and that uh measures out to to 15 1,000, 14,000, uh, no, 1,400, 1,500, somewhere right in there, uh, miles. Uh, so so it's, like, it's like you take this and you set it uh, and, 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 and the city lands uh, on the Atlantic coast and the other side of the city would be like Oklahoma City, you know, right there. It's like taking up half of the United States of America and, and, and as wide as it is long and, and, and as high and plenty of room. For a room for you. That's why Jesus said in, in, in John 14, in my Father's house are many rooms. There's one for you if you'll come. There's one for you if you'll come. Now is the time when we can come 
And it is not only a new heavens and a new earth prepared by our Lord, but it is a room for you in the city prepared by our Lord and Savior. And he describes the, he describes the city and, and the foundations and, and, the, and the gates. And the foundations have jewels in them and, the, and, and 12 jewels in them. The interesting of the number 12 there. And the, and the gates are made from a single pearl. Can you imagine that? It is incredible. It's an incredible uh, sight. And then uh, in verse 22, it says this. John says this. He said, I did not see a temple uh, in the city uh, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will... Walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. No day, on, on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those. It's important the way that ends, isn't it? But only those. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. It brings us back into Jesus. Back into the book of life that is the Lamb's book of life. The only holy, worthy Lamb of God. And only those names that are in the Lamb's book of life will be the ones who can, who can come in to this city. It it doesn't matter, you know, what else you have done. It doesn't matter how good you were. It is only those who have put their faith and trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we come into uh, chapter 22, and I know I've got a whole chapter here, but I'm almost done. Almost done. But we're getting a look at our glorious inheritance, and we need to see this. Then, verse 22, verse 1, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. Isn't that a beautiful sight? Bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night, They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. And ever and ever and ever and ever. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. God's speaking right here at the end. He's saying saying to us, like like he almost feels like there will be those who are doubting, those who are not sure, those who are questioning. And he says, hey, it's almost like he calls our attention back, clapping his hands and says, hey, hey, I'm not saying this on my own. God sent me to tell you this. This is the angel saying this. That that these words are trustworthy and true. That God is a spirit of his prophets. That these things will soon take place. That this is going to happen. That this will, that this will, the plans and purposes of God will come about. And then Jesus speaks in verse 7. And he says, if we're continuing to doubt... If we're, if we're still a little deceived by the deception of our times, Jesus speaks and says, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. Do you remember how it started? 
how, how, how Revelation starts. It starts by, by saying there's a blessing that comes to those who read this, who hear this, and to those who keep it. To those who take these words in this book and they bring them into their heart and they'll not be led astray by this world or the deception of time and not be lulled to sleep by the round and round of living. But they'll take these words into their heart and they will hold them as their own and they will always live as Jesus is coming soon and they will always proclaim Jesus is coming soon. And if they do, there will be a blessing that comes on them. Verse 8, John says, I am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard, and when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and prophets of, uh, of all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of, this pro- of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. And let him who does right continue to be right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. And not saying that, that we shouldn't repent and come to Jesus, but that, that as things have continued, these things will continue. Verse 12, he says, Behold, Jesus speaks again, Behold, I am coming soon. Jesus telling us, and telling us, and telling us, and we know, we remember. You remember when he shows up in Revelation 19, that what we see is that he is faithful, and he is true. That if he says, I'm coming soon, it's true that he's coming soon, and he is faithful to his word. He says, behold, I'm coming soon, and he reminds us of the inheritance. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city because their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who, who, who loves the practice of falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root, I am the root of the, and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. This is, this is, this is Jesus showing us what he knows is to come so that we will be prepared and ready. And then verse 17, the, the, you know, this is coming to an end. Verse 17, it says, the spirit and the bride say come. Right, the Holy Spirit-filled church is now uh, proclaiming what was proclaimed in, in Isaiah 55 and, 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 and what Jesus has, has said in Matthew 11. We now continue to say, come. Why would we say come? Why? Because the time is now when all who will can come to Jesus. The Spirit and the Bride say come and let all who hears say come. So we say come and all those who hear, who have an ear to hear and hear, they say it too. They, they start to see their glorious inheritance and the terrible judgment and they say now is the time of salvation right here today Come to Jesus. So there's a cry going out to come. And we continue to echo that cry. And I say it now, today, this morning. Now is the time to come to Jesus. Come to Him. He's calling us to come. You you, you ever think about what an honor it would have been to, to have walked in the day that Jesus walked and to be one of those as He was walking that He stopped and He looked and He said, Hey, Peter, Come and follow me. You ever think what an honor that would have been to Ben Peter or to be Matthew, the tax collector at his tax collector booth, thinking, thinking that there was never any hope for him. But Jesus stops and looks at Matthew and says, Matthew, come, come, follow me. What an honor to be one of those. We are honored today 
to have that same opportunity as Scripture looks at us and says, come, come on. I want you right now to come and follow me. And we have the chance that they all had to turn away from all the things of this world and to follow after Jesus. The book ends is saying, come, come. And everyone who hears says, come. And then it says, whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let them come. Take the free gift. It's free. You know what that means? And we don't know what it means in this culture because you've got to pay for everything. But it's free. You have to pay for it. Jesus did. He shed his blood. He suffered and died so that we could freely come. So come on. Let's come. Let's come to Jesus. Let's not wait. Let's come to him today. Whoever wishes. You're watching online this morning and you wish to come and you hear him calling you to come. You can come to Jesus today and enter into the glorious inheritance that is that is for those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, you can take of the free gift of the water of life. In verse 18 it says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. You read that verse before you decide to teach the book of Revelation and it'll make you spend a lot of time in prayer. And I have been asking the Lord, please help me Lord, to, to, to rightly say these things. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, yes. He says, yes, these things that have been written in this book, that have been prophesied in this book, if we needed it, now have Jesus' seal of approval. He says yes to them. He says, yes, don't change anything. Don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away from it. Yes, I approve. And then he says this, I am coming soon. And let all the saints, let all the children of God, let all of those who are His say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That should be our cry. That should be what we declare. As John declared, if you want to know if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then out of your mouth comes, Amen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. We're ready. We're anxious. We're waiting. We need you. And verse 21 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. I love this reminder that Jesus is coming, that we are saying amen to it, and that his grace is with us. You remember 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul is pouring out his heart to the Lord. And he said, the Lord spoke to him and said, my grace is with you and my grace is enough. My grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for all to come who will and his grace is sufficient to keep all who have come until he comes. Today I ask you, church, today I ask you, his grace is sufficient, it is enough His grace can handle anything and everything. Where sin increases, grace increases all the more. Today, Jesus is reminding us that He's coming, that His coming is glorious, that He will come. We don't know when, but that He will come. But but until then, there is the opportunity for all who will to come to Him. Will you come to Jesus today? He's calling us to come and follow him, to leave this world behind and to live for him. And whatever we lay down, I'm telling you, it's gonna be worth it to receive the glorious inheritance that is for those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life.
Let's pray together. Every head bowed and every eye closed. This morning, if you want to just say yes to Jesus, if you want to say amen, come Lord Jesus, because my heart is ready. This morning, if you want to know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then today come to Jesus. Put your faith and trust in Him. Make Him your Lord and Savior. Romans 10 says that if we just if we just confess with our mouth, if we just cry out to Him, if we just proclaim what we believe, that we shall be saved. So this morning, if you desire to come to Jesus, I just ask you to raise your hand. Amen. Amen. I see your hand. I see your hands. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This morning online, if you desire to come to Jesus, and make Him your Savior and your Lord. To know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. To enter into abundant life and eternal life. Then just pray with me. I'm going to lead us. Just pray from your heart. Come to Jesus and make Him your everything. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you have paid the price for my every failure, for my every sin. And this morning, I receive your forgiveness. Wash me in your blood and make me clean. Jesus, come into my life, into my heart, be my Savior and my Lord. Today, Jesus, I come to you, and because of this, I can say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Live for Him with all you've got down inside of you. Make Him your passion. Live to bring Him glory and honor. Every now and then when you think about His coming, say amen. amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Receive the inglorious inheritance that is the saints. God bless you. Have a great week. Uh, check us out online Wednesday night. I think you'll be blessed. And uh, look forward to seeing you back here Sunday. God bless.